This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. Good morning, my name is Linda Keller, and I have been a member of Leewood for approximately 29 years now. And I will be reading the scripture this morning. We are in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And if you are using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 811. Again, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. And if my arms were longer... (laughs) There. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, You have received, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen Ellison. I am the pastoral fellow here at Leewood Baptist, and I uh, am going to be able to bring the message for us this morning. So uh, thank you guys all for being here. Jamie, thank you for that prayer time. That was just a wonderful way to kind of set my heart before we kind of go into these things. And I'm sure it was for everybody else too. So this morning, like we just read, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 1, going through verse 4. If you haven't already turned there, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, we're going through this series, uh, through the book of Matthew, that we've been going through for a number of weeks, a number of months, actually, and we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for quite a, while, quite a while. If you were here last week, Pastor Chris focused on verse 1 of chapter 6 and this idea of, of hiddenness, this principle of, of hiddenness when we do our good deeds, not to do them so that other people see, the, uh, see our good deeds, not to so that other people praise us, so that we build a reputation but being content to do those things before an audience of one. Pastor Chris told us about some of the, uh, the rewards that go along with that and the importance of, of seeking the face of God in those things first and how beautiful that can be. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue on in that same passage. Jesus kind of lays out that principle for us in verse 1, and then from there he goes on to apply it in a few different ways. And today that's going to be applied in, in how we give. Uh, the wonderful thing about expositional preaching, working our way through a book, is that we can come upon these passages that, that may be a little bit awkward sometimes, or maybe a little bit strange, uh, maybe a little bit challenging for us, but we get to kind of play it as it lies, right? We get to pick it up in its context and understand what all surrounding it, what that means for us. And so that's beautiful. So the good thing about that is we can talk about things that are like giving that can be a little bit awkward. But also, since we're going through the text, I want us to really focus on what the text focuses on. Does that make sense? So as we're reading this passage, I think you'll notice that like we could use this as a, as a passage to talk about giving in church, and it can certainly apply 
to that, right? And we can use this as a passage talking about giving to the needy, and it certainly assumes that. But what's really interesting about these four verses is what the focus is, is this about how we give, the heart that we give with, and why we do it. So as we go, we're going to focus on the fact that the kingdom of God is a generous kingdom. And because God has been generous to us, we can be free to be generous with him as the only one in the audience. Does that make sense? So let's kind of go through and we're going to uh, take a little bit of a review of verse 1 of this principle of doing good deeds in hiddenness. And we're going to see directly how that applies to giving to those in need. And, And I think once we understand this principle of hiddenness, once we understand why we're doing what we're doing... I think the application to giving is actually pretty simple. Um, Where this gets tricky is trying to apply this to our everyday lives. Where this gets tricky is trying to understand what that means, not in general, but what that means for me. What do I do? How do do I take this and and apply it? So as we talk about those kind of things, let's uh, let's just start in verse 1 and and kind of review. Verse 1 of chapter, chapter 6 says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus kind of goes through this process of a warning of what to kind of stay away from and why. And later he'll kind of show us what what we should be practicing and why. So the very first thing that he tells us is, Beware of practicing your righteousness in front of other people in order to be seen by them. Because then you give up your reward that's from your Father. Jesus is going to tell us that there is a reward for practicing your righteousness before other people. You can, you can get adoration from folks. You can, you can have people draw attention to you. You can build up your own reputation. There is a reward. But as we go through this passage, what Jesus is going to show us is that it's a reward that really falls so much short of what's offered for the same thing. What, what we're going to see here is, is that Jesus' real focus is on the heart that we do these things with. So if you're going through the book of Matthew, maybe like in a Bible reading plan or something like that, and you're reading through the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to come across some things specifically when it comes to this, this given or this hidden giving that are going to seem strange with some things that Jesus has already said. So maybe you're reading through like Matthew and maybe in the same day, if you back up half a chapter before to to 5.16, you'll see Jesus say this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So not half a chapter before, Jesus is addressing the same people. says, let your light shine before others so that others may see and glorify God. And then just a number of verses later, he says, beware of doing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them, for then you lose your reward, right? So that's it's a little bit strange, and it's a little bit hard to, to, to work those things out. But I think if we pay attention to the verses pretty closely, I think it, the solution becomes pretty apparent. In 5.16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others. Why? So, so that they can glorify God. Whereas in 6.1, Jesus says, beware of doing your righteous deeds before other people in order to be seen by them. Because then that's your reward. There's this way that we can, that two people can do something absolutely identical that everybody on the surface doesn't see any difference in, but, but what's going on in your heart is actually drastically different. So let me give you an illustration. My, uh, in high school, I took Spanish for four years. I went all the way through AP Spanish, and to this day, I can give you about four colors, and I can count to ten on most days. 
And it's not because I lost it. That's legitimately about all I ever knew. And I don't know why I took four years of Spanish, but I was horrible at it. And I remember once every semester, our teacher would have us memorize a poem in Spanish and then recite it to the class. It was all the same poem, but we would have to memorize it and get up and recite this whole poem before the class. Now, there's two ways that you can memorize a poem in Spanish. One is you take the poem and you get out a dictionary, you translate it into English, you use that to help you understand the words. Once you kind of see that, you can see how the grammar works and it all starts to work together. And so as you're, you're translating and memorizing, you're learning the language, right? That's one way you could do it. The way that I did it was I took that poem and I memorized 30 lines of gibberish, of, of totally random sounds that meant nothing to me, right? So just line after line of syllables that I did not understand, which is actually a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to memorize 30 lines of something that you have no idea what it's talking about. So there's like these two different ways that you could do this, but the problem is that when I got up on uh, in front of the class and I recited that poem, and when somebody who actually learned the language through that got up and recited the poem, they sounded the exact same. Right? You couldn't tell a difference because I was pronouncing the same syllables that they were, and I was getting the same grade at the end of it that they were. The difference was in the motivation. Somebody else wanted to learn the language. I just wanted to get a grade. And at the end of the, de- end of the day, I, I got what my reward was, right? I got, I got the grade. But my motivation was different, and my end reward was different. Because they took away something from that that I didn't, right? I think what Jesus is telling us here is that there's something similar going on, that, that two people can do two good things and look the exact same on the outside. But God cares about something else that's going on deeper than that. He cares about the motivation. And the motivation shapes the reward that we seek. Right? So, so as we're talking about this, um, it, it, it gets interesting because we, we realize that we're not really just talking about the good deed that we do. We're talking about the heart that we do it with. And at that heart is, who are we seeking the glory for, right? Are we seeking to get people's attention to the things that we do so that they think highly of us, so that, that, that we get glory in ourselves? Or are we seeking the glory of God? That's the difference between 5.16 and 6.1, right? Is who gets the glory? Which, when you think of it that way, is actually a pretty serious thing, right? Jesus and, and shows us that, that he came to do the will of the Father. He came to glorify God. God is very uh, open and honest throughout Scripture about, about the importance of, of his glory. If you read Isaiah 42.8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Where we want the glory to go is actually really important to this. Nobody else may see it on the surface, but it's very important to God. And that's what shapes our, our goals in this. this. That's what shapes the rewards. And Jesus says that there's a reward for seeking to get your own glory. And it's that you get praise from other people. That's a thing, right? It just pales in comparison to the rewards that we get from our Father. So that's this idea of hiddenness, right? That's, that's this idea of, of doing things that if we do them in a way that only God sees, are we content with that? If we do them in a way that, that the possibility of us getting glory from other people is off the table... Are we still content in that? Not only that, are we excited by that? Is that something that that, kind of gets us going? Is that something that we want to work towards, the glory of God? This spiritual discipline of hiddenness cultivates that in us. It, it, It teaches our hearts to be content with God being the only one who sees. It teaches our hearts to be drawn closer to Him. 
And it teaches us to take joy in his glory. All right, so that's this idea of hiddenness. And once we understand that, the application of the rest of this is, is actually pretty simple on the surface, right? So let's, let's keep reading in verse 2. It says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So do you see how the principle of this, this hiddenness idea is just applied to our giving to the needy here? So Jesus is going to go through the warning there of, of what to stay away from and why, and he's going to go into the invitation of, of how we should and why. But before we get into that, I really do want to focus on this for a second. Thus, when you give to the needy, I'll stop right there. You see, that Jesus' teaching isn't that you should give to the needy. It's, it's almost, that's, that's assumed that we do, which I think is actually a pretty big assumption, at least for us. In Jesus' day, that, that was just one of the ways that pretty much everybody knew that's how you worked out your belief in God. Today, I, I think we, we can get a little bit confused on that. What we're going to see is most of this is pretty simple but, but when we think about why maybe we don't do this, or maybe we don't do this as much as, as, as we, we feel like we should, we'll start to see that there's things that our culture has told us and our hearts have told us that start to block off our ideas of why we should do what we should do. And, and it starts to kind of counteract what Jesus teaches us, right? So, so there's a lot of things that our culture teaches us that are true in, in some instances, but we almost take those and we try to use them as excuses not to do what Scripture teaches when the, the time comes. Does that make sense? So like maybe you've heard like sentences like, you know, throwing money at a problem doesn't solve anything. That's, that's true in, in some instances, right? And, and maybe we, we hear people talking about, especially in religious contexts, our context, how there's groups who um, have moved away from, from scriptural Christianity and now their religion really just looks like community projects. And, and people talk about how that, that, that has no lasting impact. And, and that's, that's true. We, we can't move away from this. But we use phrases like that to almost make excuses for why we don't give, for why we don't do things. And so almost any time an opportunity for us to do what Jesus tells us to do, whenever that comes up, sometimes we, we use those things. We're looking for those reasons not to. What I'm not asking you to do is like go against your convictions or something like that. I'm just, I'm just asking us to be aware that I think there's this thing in our heart that, that where Jesus assumes this, maybe we don't. Or maybe there's this reasons that we assume that we shouldn't have to. Try to notice that as we go through there and ask if that's something that's, that's actually going on in our hearts, that, that we're taking things that are, are true in some instances and we just try to apply them whenever we can so that we can feel like we get an out when we could be glorifying God through this, right? So I wanted us to address that as we go through. So let's, let's kind of get back to the text. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So when Jesus says, uh, sound no trumpet before you, right? Reading in, in commentaries, it kind of it makes it sound like this is figurative language for draw no attention to yourself as you do give to those who are in need. Uh, some people actually think that, like, when you hear that, you should be thinking of the sound that, like, 
a bunch of coins would make if somebody threw them really hard into a medical, metal receptacle, right? Like tra- really drawing attention to yourself as you give. Jesus says, there is a reward in that, right? And again, it's, it's that people praise you. It, it's that you get, gain a reputation. It's that, that people think you're, you're religious or whatever else. There is, a, there is a reward in that. It's just not one that's worth it. Jesus says, draw no attention to yourself as, as the hypocrites do because that's their reward. So when we're looking at hiddenness, that makes a lot of sense, right? That, that idea of, of why we wouldn't want to do that, yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. The problem is hidden giving can get really complicated in the practical matters, in our hearts, and even how we talk about it in our churches, right? So there, there's simple, like, borderline questions of, of like, just, like, when I give, it's, sometimes it's hard to, to give in a hidden way, right? Like, unless I'm giving to an individual, a lot, of, a lot of organizations, there's paper trails. Am I supposed to use that for, like, taxes? You know, like, those kind of things. Or maybe you're somebody that, that works in a ministry setting or, or you, you work for a charity and, and you're, you're thinking, well, I, I do these things every day. This is a part of my job. It's just natural that it gets seen. Is it wrong for me to do good things and, and that be seen? And it also gets confusing when we start to think about how our own hearts twist things because very rarely... Do we do something and think, I am doing this for my glory? Right? That's not usually how you define it in your heart. Usually, usually we, we kind of we twist it a little bit. We, we start to justify even in our own minds. And before long, we don't really know what our heart's intention is. We haven't de- like dived down deep enough to find out. And so maybe we think we really are doing it for the right reasons. But if, if we really sat on it, we'd realize there are little bits of selfishness that are kind of pinned in there. There are little bits of, of self-building up that, that, that sit in our motivation. And thirdly, I think that this gets confusing sometimes because of the way that, that our culture and even, even the church sometimes has talked about giving and taught it. I, I think, I, I don't know if anybody else has had this experience. I've been in churches where like people feel like they should have like an end with the pastor because their giving pays his salary. And I've heard them like openly say that. And, and there's a lot of times where we, um, the way that we even do like fundraisers are kind of built to really like, really elevate people who give above a certain percent. Really, my experience with this was when I was a kid, the church I grew up in was a great church and I loved it so much. Uh, and they had a VBS that was amazing. And at the end of every day in our VBS, we would do a penny offering. The idea was that kids would go home and go through couches or, or go through drawers and find all the pennies in their house. And at the end of every day in VBS, you would come and bring those pennies forward and they would collect all that money and it would go to uh, a missionary family or it'd go to a charity of, of like-minded faith somewhere in the community. And it was great. Where this started to get complicated was by the time I got there, this thing was like competitive. Uh, this was like you showed up on Monday and you had your like little Ziploc bag full of pennies and you were so happy until you got there and you saw Jeff who had, you know, a big bag of pennies that was bigger than yours. And then you started to feel bad. And, and when you got to the end of it, everybody would bring up their pennies and it was girls versus boys. And you were like so mad if the girls won that day. And, and like, so the next thing I know, man, like I'm getting my parents to drive to the bank to get $25 in pennies, you know, and I'm like carrying a backpack full of pennies in there so I can beat Jeff and, 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 when I'm telling you about like this, the don't blow your trumpet before you know other people like to signify your giving. I want you to imagine the sound of two thousand pennies being poured into a plastic bucket. That's what I hear, right? <laughs> and so, like, I'm looking back on this, and it was so much fun, and it taught me to give, and that's great. Um, 
But as a seven-year-old kid running down the aisle with a backpack of 2,000 pennies, do you really think I was like thinking like, yeah, this is for missions? Like, no, I wanted to be Jeff, right? Like, I, I, this was competitive. This was for me. I wanted everybody to see me pour these pennies in there. I was excited about that. So that's the problem. Like, that's the thing is, is I don't know that any of those examples are like really bad in themselves. The problem is that I was taught to give. I wasn't taught to give in a way that, that I was happy if God was the only one that saw. And, and I don't know that, that a lot of times our hearts are naturally going to go towards that to, to think, hey, I, I should be doing this just for God. I think our hearts a lot of times are naturally going to look for the ways to build ourselves up, even if we don't mean for it to be that way. That's why this self-discipline, this spiritual discipline of, of hidden, hiddenness is so important because that's what happens. It trains our hearts to rely solely on God. It builds us up in such a way that we understand that, that hey, I exist for His glory. And if He's the only one that gets glory out of this, amen. Thank God. So when we get into these confusing topics, these all can get confusing in very different ways. How am I supposed to do this? I, I think when we let go of some of the specifics and we get to that heart to remember this is about God's glory, and I'm being generous not, not to try to gain something for myself, but I, I get to be generous because God was generous towards me. I get to be generous because I, I was a debtor. I get to be generous because I owed far more than I could, ever, I could ever pay back. And he not only paid that for me with Christ on the cross, he, he gave me more than that. He, he gave me riches. He gave me an inheritance more than I could ever imagine. My God has been so generous with me. Now in gratitude and love, I can, I can show that back. Not that I'm earning any of it back, but I know that, that once I know Christ... He starts to change me and, and develop me in such a way that his desires become mine. And this gets to be a joyous thing. This gets to be a beautiful thing. So as, as we walk through this, we realize that, that it's, not, it's not about just doing things that are just hidden, just for being hidden. It, it, it's about the heart issue of it. So when we understand that and we start applying it to all these difficulties, we say, hey, where, where am I really trying to, to give glory if we understand that we're supposed to be giving it to God, these things kind of work themselves out. Does that make sense? So Jesus kind of walks us through that, and now he's going to walk us through why we do, or why we should do what we should do, and, and the reason behind all of that. So he goes on in verse 3, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus says what we should be doing is giving in a way that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing. So at this point, he's talked, to us about, uh, he's talked to us about not giving so that other people see. Not giving so that other people give us praise. Not giving so that we get glory from them. Jesus is going to take it a step further. And this is how we know that it's not just about doing the, the thing that's hidden just to do that's hidden. Jesus says that you can do things that are hidden where other people can't give you glory. But you can start to praise yourself, right? Where, where you can start to use the good things that you do, even if nobody else sees... And you can start to use that as a way to, to console yourself, to, to give yourself justification, to, to give yourself validation, to kind of build your own identity. Jesus says though, the way we're supposed to be doing this is almost that, that when we give, when we're generous, it just pours out of us because of what God has done for us through Christ. It should just pour out of us in a way that, that is natural. Like driving a car to work when, when you've taken the route a thousand times or speaking in a native language. It should just kind of naturally happen. When we do these things, it's not so that we can somehow feel good about ourselves. We can do these things out of gratitude. And then we, 
we can kind of forget. We can let it go. We can enjoy it and be happy that we're bringing God glory. And we can let it stop there. So, so there, there's, there's people who, um, I think most of us do this at some point. We will try to insulate ourselves from accountability. Or when somebody like calls us out on something or, or implies that maybe we haven't done something great, we, we start to justify ourselves through this list of things that we've done. And we say, you know, forget what they say about me. I pray every day. I, I give to the church. I help this one family out. I'm all right. You see, you see the problem with that. The problem is that, that you're now putting your identity in what you've done. You're now defining who you are by your good actions. That's a reward. Just like getting praise from other people is a reward. Being able to sleep at night because you think you've done a really good job, that's a reward. You know, feeling a little bit more self-confident, that's a reward. But it's a reward that just pales in comparison to the gifts that come from God. It's an it's a unsatisfying, short-lived reward that in the end that it does nothing for you. The gift of God in this is that if it's power we're looking for, the gospel teaches us that there's no real power in ourselves to do anything to save ourselves. And if it's control that we're looking for, the gospel teaches us that our own control of things has led us into sin and it's has separated us, right? And if it's assurance that we're looking for, we know that there is no lasting assurance outside of Christ Jesus. So we can kind of let these things go. Many of us live the Christian life like we're middle school basketball players just hoping to make the, like, make the high school team. Right? So like every day we feel like we've got to go out there and we've got to like show our coach that, that we're working hard. We've got to show everybody else on the team that we belong to be there. We've got to prove to ourselves that we are good enough. And that just gets exhausting and, and, and it takes the joy out of things. And it's just not, it's not good. What we have in the gospel is a reason just to play for the love of the game. Does that make sense? That we can just enjoy these things because, because he's the reason that we have the ability to be faithful to begin with. Be, because, because the Holy Spirit is in those of us who believe, he's shaping us over time so that, that we can enjoy those things just for the sake of the glory of God. And if we're not there yet, if, if being generous is hard, if, if not drawing attention to ourselves is hard right now, that's okay, right? God gives us His Spirit to work in us over time. He gives us things like this, like these spiritual disciplines that we can practice so that we can train our hearts to value the things that God values, to love the things that God loves, and to be happy that he's our reward and that he's our audience of one. Do we see how this works together? This, this spiritual discipline trains us how to enjoy God getting the glory. And that's astounding. It is absolutely amazing. And why are we supposed to do this? We're supposed to do this because the Father will see and the Father will reward. And that, not only is that enough, that is so much greater than any earthly reward that can be received it is so, so rich and so beautiful. We get to grow, grow closer to him. We get to know our creator, the one who loves us. We train our hearts to rely on him and to trust him. And there's a lot, a lot of joy in that. A lot of the confusion that can come on how to do this practically, I, I think we can see, hey, I'm, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to give. 
And I'm supposed to do it with the right heart. I think that makes sense. But the confusion comes when we apply that to our real lives. And we can start to clear that up when we remind ourselves that we don't have to earn an identity. We're given it in Christ. We don't have to earn assurance. It's already given to us in Christ. We don't have to prove things to other people. We know that, that, that we've been given grace. We can do this with joy when we set our eyes on Christ. So, so let's, let's work to apply this in, in some, some pretty specific ways. Because I think, I think there are some easy ways that we can do this if we just practice these disciplines, right? So the first thing I would say is, is let's plan. If you find yourself in a place where you realize, like, hey, I don't know that I am. I don't know that I am given to people who, who are in need. Take time. Like, plan a time. Sit down at your laptop. Organize your thoughts and find a place that is God-glorifying and actually does help physical needs because God cares about those. He cares about our spiritual needs and physical needs. Take time to, to research. Take time to plan. If you need help, ask people in your church. Ask your pastors. And as you do this, think about ways that you can do this in hiddenness. Think about ways that you can practice this. Think about ways that you can train yourself to learn to enjoy glorifying God alone. It'll be worth it. Ask yourself honest questions as you do this too. So, so ask, if you find an opportunity that you're excited about, ask why you're, you're excited about it. Are, are you excited about it for, for selfish reasons or, or for the glory of God? Or maybe you're not excited about it. Ask, ask why you, you wouldn't be excited. Is it a risk to you or, or is it something that, that, that may not be towards that ultimate goal that Christ is talking about? Uh, be honest with yourself and say, are the answers that I'm giving myself really what's going on? T- take a breath as you ask yourself these questions and say, this is what my heart wants to say in defense, but, but is that actually what's going on? And pray about it. Bring it before God. Ask Him to help you honestly evaluate these things and ask Him to draw you closer in that. Do what we talked about earlier. Talk, do, forget. When we do these things, don't, don't hold on to them as a way to the, so that others define you or that you define yourself by these things. You don't have to do that. We're freed from that. Take this time to, to, to forget after we do good, not so that we don't want to do good in the future, but so that we don't use them to build ourselves up. Delight in these things. Delight in the fact that the only one who may see you is God Almighty, creator of the universe, planner of your salvation, one who bought your soul, sent his son to die for you, and has promised an inheritance for you. Delight in the fact that he is the one that gets the glory And that's something that's not temporal, but will last forever and ever and ever. Delight in the fact that he gives rewards, that you get to know him, draw close to him, and that he blesses you with himself. Delight in that. And remind, this may be the most practical one that you can do as you walk out of here. As you go about your day today, as you go home and you like cook lunch for the kids, or as you go home today and, and, and you like are on your drive in the car by yourself, or kids, as you go home today and you either play video games or you run outside or do whatever you do today, remind yourself that you're doing everything that you do in the presence of God. Don't, don't, that's, not, that's not supposed to be there as like this nagging thing of like, trying to like avoid guilt because somebody's always watching over you. That's actually a good thing that, that you can remind yourself, hey, like, I'm not doing this part of my life in isolation from my faith. Everything I do, my God, my Savior is, is in that with me. And every second he's there beside me, every second he sees what I do, I don't have to worry about proving myself to other people. Even in this thing that may seem mundane or small, I... 
I can live for the glory of God in this. And that's joyful. As we kind of walk through these things, you know, and we're talking about the glory of God being at the forefront of this, and we quoted that passage from Isaiah earlier, talking about how God won't give his glory to another. I think it's so beautiful, the context that that verse comes in. So that was Isaiah 42, 8 that I read to you earlier. Let me read the first seven verses of that real fast. It says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for my people, a light for the nations to open up the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I give my glory to no other. Where is God's glory filled? The coming of Christ. And the coming of one who cares about justice and eternity, and justice now. Who cares about the spiritual needs of the nations, and who cares about the physical needs of individuals. Who cares about those who are in darkness, and those who need sight. Who by his work on the cross has told you who he, who he is, and thus told you who you are. Those of you who know him. The glory of God is shown through the cross. And the cross is what makes us able to do these things with joy and freedom and excitement. So that we don't have to prove things to ourselves or others. But it's already been proven in Him. The kingdom of God is a generous kingdom. And we get to be instruments of that. Not so that we can get praise or earn our spot on the team or anything else. We get to be instruments of that because of what he's done. And we get to enjoy it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for, um, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for, for the lessons that you teach us, the, the practical ways that you show us how we can walk through life. But not only that, reminding us of who we are in Christ, of what that means, of how we can, we can learn to grow closer to you through these disciplines and how we can be drawn in to your spirit and, and, and we can understand and love you more and, and desire your glory. And God, we thank you for the patience and the grace and the love that you pour out on us. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Thank you for joining us online. Leeway Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewoodbaptist.com.